This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marsha Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon. This is Marshall Davis. Today I'm going to describe unitive awareness. At least I'm going to try to describe unitive awareness. Sometimes I just want to cut through all the words and communicate directly this awareness, what I call unitive awareness, that is our true nature and the divine nature. I wish there was an easy way to do that. Unfortunately, there are no words to communicate it. And yet, I am a preacher, and I use words. That's what I do. As the Apostle Paul, the preacher Paul, said, how shall they hear without a preacher? And so I preach, or teach, or witness, or speak, or talk, or whatever you want to call what I'm doing now. And I want to start by describing what unitive awareness feels like. Now, I need to immediately qualify those words by saying that this is not a feeling. Even the word awareness in unitive awareness is misleading because it's not awareness of anything. That would be dualistic. And it's not an experience that someone is having. That would be dualistic too. This is what all persons and things and feelings and experiences appear within. And yet, there is an intuitive sense that accompanies this that is kind of like a feeling. And that's as good as I can express it. It is this. It is a sense of backing up into our source, into the source of everything. And that way it's kind of like when you're backing up in your car, but imagine doing that without looking in the rear view mirror but at the same time trusting you're not going to collide with anything, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like leaning back and trusting into what you are. And by that, I don't mean the personal self. This is not about personal. And it's difficult for people to get this because people are used to thinking of themselves as people. But that's not what we are. We're not people. We are the sense of awareness that comes before we become a person and before we think of anything, including thinking that we're people. This is what is always here. It's always what we are. It's what we know ourselves to be when we're not 
thinking. Now, I'm saying this and I'm not trying to get you to not think like some people do in, in meditation. That is futile. I'm pointing you to that which does not think, even while thinking is going on. So I'm pointing to something that is deeper than mind, at the same time wider than mind. There is always this peaceful center, this eye of the storm, which is conscious thinking. That's it. We rest back into this. It's almost like when you are in bed and you're falling asleep for the night. And sometimes when you're falling asleep, you are actually aware of a happening. And you might think to yourself, I'm falling asleep now. We are aware that our conscious self, if you will, is disappearing. The world dims and you become peaceful. And then you are not. What I'm talking about here is similar, except instead of falling asleep, you fall awake and you are not. In fact, I was going to call this episode Falling Awake, and then I was looking at Google afterwards, and there's so many books and podcasts and videos about falling, falling awake that I decided not to use that. But it is waking up. And this is not a one-time event called waking up. That's a misunderstanding of what a lot of people think is spiritual awakening. This does not happen to a person, and it does not happen in time. It is constant. It's always present. It is the eternal that is at the heart of and encompasses all time. And it is clear, then, that there is no time. And you know that. You know that at your center, you are that timeless self that you were when you were a child. It's the same you that you knew yourself to be when you were maybe two or three or five or ten or twelve or or fifteen the same you, even though the body that you see in the mirror is clearly not the same body. Your body ages, but you do not. You are forever young, as Bob Dylan said. You are the eternal that is beyond time. This awareness is always fresh and new, and that's why Zen calls it beginner's mind. It is new every moment. It's never boring. It's always surprising. You know, during the day I get caught up in in doing things. I get immersed in the phenomenal world. And then I'll stop and pay attention to who I am. I make the shift from personal self to the absolute. And when that happens, it's always surprising. It's like it's happening for the first time. It's always a aha moment. And it always brings a smile to my face. Now let me come at this another way. What does this feel like? It feels like 
nostalgia. You know what I'm talking about here. I know that a lot of people my age, especially, like to talk about the past. I'm in Florida right now visiting with with family. In fact, in a couple of days, we're going to have all my wife's siblings come over to where we are uh, staying. And whenever they get together, they just enjoy each other's company and they talk almost exclusively about the past. And they get sentimental, talking about the good old days of when they were children. And they tell stories and they laugh and they smile. And I do the same thing when I'm with my family, when we get together, my my siblings. I would not be surprised if this is universal. And that's why we go to school reunions and return to our to visit our old neighborhoods or connect with old friends. That feeling of nostalgia that you feel then is what it feels like to be what you really are. It is the sense of being home, that we are home. It's a sense of, of peace and joy and security. This is the origin of all of the myths and the religious traditions of the world about a golden age or a garden of Eden or primordial paradise. All those are memories of the times in our lives when we have touched our true nature, when we have touched God, when we have walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day, as Genesis says. This divinity is home. It's our eternal home. Every time we return to this space, we are coming home. Now, I'm using phrases like coming and returning, but the reality is that there is no movement. There's no place to go or to return to because we're always here. We always have been here. It's simply a matter of noticing and paying attention. We are always in Eden. We've never left. We live in Eden, and Eden lives in us. It's just a matter of whether we are conscious of this reality. And conscious or not, it's still true. This is still true whether or not anyone is aware of it or believes in it. As Philip K. Dick says, reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. This reality doesn't go away. Whether or not people believe in it, or know it, or see it, or feel it, this is what is. This is reality. And whether or not we believe in it, whether or not you believe me, or whether or not we experience it, really doesn't matter. That's one aspect of this awareness. It is self-authenticating. You recognize it immediately as true. You know this is what you really are. You know this is what God really is. You know this is real. It is perfectly clear and obvious. Now, this is not a mystical experience. It is normal, everyday awareness. It is normal, everyday awareness seen for what it really is. With the recognition comes joy and peace 
and compassion for those who are not aware that they are by nature this joy and peace and compassion. Now, this is not religion, even though I tend to use religious language to describe it. It's not even spirituality. Now, spirituality these days has its own elaborate vocabulary. And so often it's filled with esoteric terms and, and elaborate descriptions of spiritual experiences. And I hear people talk about their spiritual experiences, and sometimes it sounds like they're speaking a foreign language. And oftentimes they are, that they adopt Hindu or Buddhist or Taoist or Christian terms that are strange to people that aren't familiar with those traditions. It, but it all sounds very spiritual. All such terms take us away from the immediacy of this reality and the ordinariness of this reality. It is extraordinarily ordinary. And no special language is needed. Now, what else is this? What else does it feel like? It feels like fresh air, mountain air, like in New Hampshire, the scent of the pines, or ocean air, like here in Florida where we are right now, and the scent of the salt. It's the feeling that you have when you are in nature. And you know what I'm talking about. And almost all people sense this and why they, they love nature and why they love nature more than going to church or religious services. It's why people love camping and hiking and canoeing and kayaking and outdoor activities so much. It connects us with what we really are. And we sense that directly. Being out in nature brings back an ancestral memory of our race before we were humans, before human civilization, when nature was our home. And we instinctively long for the, the awareness that, that we were in and that was us at that time. That is the Garden of Eden. That sense of the divine that we feel at such times, is what I call unitive awareness, oneness with God and nature and the universe. And this feeling is not in nature. It is in us. And nature simply reminds us of this. This ultimate reality is also love. It feels like love. And you know what it is like to love and be loved. There is nothing like it. This is also instinctual, I think, to us as humans. And it is basic to reality. That's why Jesus said that love summed up all the teachings of the scripture. And that's why he summed up all biblical instruction. And that's what the word Torah means. It means instruction. He sums it all up in two statements, which is to love God and love our neighbor. Loving God with a whole being, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Spiritual awareness 
feels like this. It feels like love. It is love. And that is why devotional love for a personal God is such an important part of so many spiritual traditions. But God is not a person in the sense of a separate being or ego. God is loving. And this loving is the heart of reality. God is not a being, but is being itself, which is lover and beloved and, and loving altogether. God is a verb, not a noun. This is a truth behind the eternal, the idea of eternal life as involving reunion with our loved ones in heaven. We know instinctually that our nature and our destiny is love. I think that's the real meaning of the Trinity. Here it is, three, what the Christians call persons, but there are, this is all love. Loving each other and loving everything else, everyone else in the world. It's eternal love. The love that we feel for family and for friends is not just biological. It is divine. It is our nature. It is eternal. It is God. This eternal reality is present here and now. You know, we project it into the past and we reminisce about it and think about it and we project it into the future sometime in heaven and we yearn for it, we seek for it. But all that is just ideas in the mind. Those are just concepts. We are this and noticing that we are this love now is eternal life. And this is salvation. And this is liberation. And this is redemption. And this is heaven. And this is God. This is awakening. Awakening is not something that happens to us. It's what we are. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.